Did I get something wrong? Oh, okay. I tell y'all, I'm going to be uh, a little easier on y'all tonight. Um, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Jonah. You know, we, we, we talk about little sins. Uh, well, that's just a little sin. Uh, I got news for you. All sin is sin, and it's all devastating. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Jonah tonight. There's a good crowd here, and I'm thankful for that. I tell you, the men praying, what a blessing uh, that you do that, and that uh, you pray to your God and um, lift lift all your troubles and trials and the things of this church. And uh, it's a blessing it is uh, to be here with you all. And I thank brother uh, brother Paul. He had the okay there, so and I thank you all for putting up with me. Um, Self-pity leads to one thing, more grumbling in our lives. One of my biggest failures, when I left that little old church down there, I thought everybody would want me, and God called me to a church, and and I got really down on myself and started feeling sorry for myself. And See, we all do that, and we're going to see in the book of Jonah... Uh, one of the most, I think, devastating, dangerous, self-destructive sins is self-pity. My my wife, bless her heart, I used to make fun of her. When we first got married, she she'd sing this song just to be cute. It was called "Everybody Lo- uh, No Everybody Hates Me." Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll eat a worm. Well, we anyway. It gets pretty nasty. She pulls the head off and. The, the little song, it, it's really cute uh, in a way, but it's kind of yucky too. But don't, uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I guarantee you most of you all have had a pity party and had troubles in your lives that you just didn't think you could handle. And you did look to the wrong place because you kept building it up on yourself. It's a, it's a self-destructive sin. The good news is, however, God does have a way to get away from that. You all have said in a Sovereign Grace Baptist Church for many years, you young people, I hope you realize what a blessing and what a privilege it is for you to be a part of this great work uh, here in Lyons, Georgia, to hear the truth that God is sovereign that God controls every drop of rain that's ever fell, fell from the sky, that it, it, in all of mankind, God is in control of that drop of rain, right down to the very molecule of it. And see, if we ever get that in our hearts and in our lives, that He's in control, this self-pity thing gets a whole lot easier to handle. It really, really does. Well, where are you at today in your life with the Lord? Well, if you're whining and, 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 and singing that song my wife sang uh, about eating the worm, everybody, everybody hates me, nobody loves me, I think I'll eat a worm, then you're not close to God right now. Y'all remember a man named Jonah? He was a big crybaby. He wanted his way. In Jonah chapter 4 and verse 9, And God said to Jonah, Y'all remember, I want to bring this out first. First point, self-pity ignores the gaping needs of others because of petty, selfish concerns. 
Jonah wouldn't do what God told him to do, so God had him swallowed by a big old fish, is what the Bible calls it. A great fish, matter of fact, is what it says. And he got put in that fish for three days and three nights, they say, and he prayed and God saved him. Salvation came to him and Jonah proclaims that. And that's the same way it is with us. We get all whiny and in trouble and we think everybody's against us and nobody loves us and we've got all kinds of enemies when really we don't have anything. A lot of that is made up in our minds and our hearts because of where we've put ourselves. Jonah got spit back up on the shore, and Jonah went to Nineveh. So God did put some fear in him, didn't He? He went to Nineveh, and guess what He did when He got to Nineveh? He did exactly what God told Him to do, but Jonah hated in himself those people of Nineveh. He wanted God's wrath to come down on that city of thousands and thousands of souls. Old, young, babies, a whole sort of people. Thousands of people from what history tells us. And when he got there, guess what they did? They obeyed God. And Jonah got even madder. Because he was sure hoping that wasn't what it was going to be. He was hoping they'd just keep on being the heathens they were. But God had mercy on them. They put on their sackcloths and they did what they did. They got down and worshipped God. I promised y'all I wasn't going to get too loud or mean or hateful. Because I'm afraid this thing here really tears a lot of churches apart. Grumbling. Whining in yourself. See, here's what happens. When you get that far down, you start reaching out and grabbing the flesh. And you want other people to hear you. And what you're telling them is nothing but useless garbage when trouble comes around. Amen. We've seen it so many times in our families. And it will disrupt this church like you have never imagined. You remember Jonah, after God didn't destroy him, he... He was mad and he built him a little hut and it got so hot he was fixing to die and God told him, or God sent him, or actually planted a gourd so it would come up and shade his old bald head. I guess he's bald. I got a little bald spot up there. And it, it, don't put my hat on, it gets burnt. He was, he was so comfortable in the shade, but then the gourd, God sent a worm. You see how God works in his sovereignty? He rescues you, and you're doing really great, and all of a sudden you pull away from Him, and God sends something else your way as His child to whoop you, to switch you. He sent a worm to destroy the comfort that Jonah had. So be careful how you live your life before the Lord. He may send a worm your way and destroy your comfort. But Jonah was being all pitiful and sad because God didn't bring His wrath upon these evil, wicked people that had caused the children of Israel so much pain and trouble. And God sent that worm, and that gourd died. And poor old Jonah about died. He even prayed that God would let him die. He even started trouble 
with God in so many senses. He blamed God. For goodness sake, Jonah, I saved you from a fish. You were going to die in there if I didn't get you out of there. But now, you still want vengeance on these people. What about the souls of men? Then Jonah said in Jonah 4.10, I may have not told you where to go to in Jonah. It's not a very long book, but Jonah 4.10 says, Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd. I can't believe God took my gourd away from me. I was so comforted and everything was okay in my life. And He took my gourd. Thou hast had pity on a gourd for which thou, uh, which, for, for the which thou hast not labored. I, I, I gave it to you. I planted the seed. I helped it to grow. Neither made us it grow, God told him. And which came up in a night and perished in a night. The Word of God tells us that there's always solutions for whatever comes our way in this old wicked, nasty flesh we have to live in. There's no good in flesh. The Bible says there's none good. So, I know how you all think, and I do too at times. Well, you know, they seem like really good people. They seem like they're okay. Listen, I had people I grew up with and worked on the farm and done all kinds of things, and they were super honest, hard-working people, but they had no idea who Jesus Christ was as their Lord and Savior. Tonight you know. You know who to lean on? Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary. In, in Philippians, listen to what it tells us to do to help us stay away from this self-pity mode that we can get into in the flesh. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. This really convicted me a few years ago. I've got a neighbor that's rather arrogant. His wife and him both are, and I say that knowing it, and uh, I really didn't care for him much. But anyway, God put it on. The Bible says to pray for your enemies, does it not? The best way we can stay out of this pity place that Jonah went to, I want my way no matter what. You're not going to get your way in this flesh if you are a child of God. God will cause you to do exactly what He wants you to do, and it will be at your cost. Then the Lord, uh, then Paul said there in Philippians, look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Verse 5, Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you. Remember what we preached about Sunday, about where Christ is? Well, here it is again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You can't get on your porch, on your hill. We're all on a hill a little bit here. And you can't say, I don't like him, I don't like him, I don't like him. You better be kind-hearted to your neighbors because God commands us to be. 
Jonah didn't understand this, but this is the solution to Jonah's problem. He said, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to, robbery to be equal with God, but made him of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Jesus Christ came to this world in the flesh to die for you and me. Jesus Christ was on a cross full of more pain than we could ever imagine. Nailed to it, bleeding in his, out of his hands and his feet, with thorns on his head, and witness to a man while he was dying. Think about it. Would you do that for a stranger? I think that man was a stranger, wasn't he? In that sense. Romans, uh, Romans 15, uh, chapter 15, verses 2 and 3 says, let every one of us, uh, let every one of us hear that, please his neighbor for his good, it is for his good to edification. And for even Christ, verse 3, for even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproach of them that reproach thee fell on me. Those that disapproved of the Lord, He still loved and tried to help. Those that didn't approve of Jesus Christ. I, I like this one. Y'all remember, uh, the second point is self-pity imagines many wrongs where there are none. Do you ever get so far down you think everybody's against you? When really it ain't nobody against you, but you're against yourself. Y'all been there, ain't you? Poor old me. How am I going to get out of this? What am I going to, when I was young and first got married, I'd buy too much or I'd do this or that. And I'd say, I'd say, how am I going to pay my bills, Lord? How am I going to, and I'd get all down and, and discouraged and try to be successful in this world. Y'all know how, y'all know that story, don't you? Sure we do. We all, in one sense, have to live in this world, but self-pity imagines many wrongs where there are none. If you'll turn in the book of Samuel, the second point of this message, the first point was self-pity ignores the gaping needs of others like poor old Jonah did. He wanted all of them dead. He didn't care who they were. He didn't care whether they're babies or what they were. He wanted that race completely snuffed out of existence. Second Samuel 7, uh, 22, 7 is, is talking about Saul. Saul was always at a fear that David was going to overthrow him and kill him. Y'all know the story. Poor old David run his whole life. First Samuel 22, 7, Then Saul said unto his servant that stood about him, Listen to how uh, methodical and how really just scared to death Saul is. Uh, I got a I got a little story to tell you. I ain't got to it yet. I don't think. But y'all, this is kind of the funny part of this message, and, and there is a funny part to it. And he said, "Here now, First uh, Samuel twenty-two seven. Here now, ye Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards?" In other words, he was saying, "Look what I've done for you. Will, will David do the same? Will David do the same?" Fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds. And then he goes on to say that all of you have conspired against me. It might be a good time to tell this story. 
I was at work one day at a place that I had uh, was a supervisor and different things, and I had been in the supervisor's office, had big windows, and we could look out on the floor and see all the ladies and the men doing their job. It was a, a not an assembly line, so to speak, but they were packing star foam packings. Big business, sir, used to be. Uh, is a petroleum-based thing that we did, star foam. And I, we were just, me and the two bosses, were just looking out, seeing how things were going, talking to one another. And I didn't notice this woman that caught us doing that. And it came around to lunch, so everybody went to the break room or the lunchroom at this place. And I sit down at the table there, and all of a sudden the door flings open, and here she comes in, and she sits right down in front of me, and she says, Buddy, let me tell you something. She says, You want to fight? I said, Ooh. That scared me. I'll just tell you, I never had five women before. She said, well, you come to the right place. You got something to say to me. You better tell me to my face. I said, what are you talking about? She says, I seen you. I seen you up there in that window. I seen you talking about me. Well, see, this is where Saul is in his life. Y'all all against me and y'all talk and you, you, you connive. Listen, quit worrying about what the world thinks of you. We're all sinners, and there's not a sin that none of us have not committed in this room. We're saved by the power and the grace of God. I keep telling myself I'm in teacher mode tonight, okay? It's Wednesday night. But sometimes you can't help it. But we need to grab a hold of that. Saul had had already got so caught up in it. But anyway, finally the woman kept at me and I finally said, listen, you need to hush up. That's how crazy she was. She was ready. She was ready to fight me over nothing. Matter of fact, we was probably bragging on her. She was one of the hardest workers we had. But when she caught my attention just going around, she thought I was focused on her or somebody was in there in that room, three of us. Two bosses and myself, I wasn't her boss, I was the maintenance supervisor. And she said, buddy, you want to fight, you've come to the right place. And I just had to just shut her down. I said, that's enough, hush. I might even talk back then, I might even talk, just shut up. I don't want to fight you. I wasn't talking about you. So, but, but my whole point to telling you that story, that's where Saul's at in his life. Sometimes we get that way, don't we? Well, I know they're talking about me, and men do it too. Women do it, men do it. It's not, it's not a thing that, it's just part of this old flesh that we gotta deal with. Sin, listen, self, the, the sin of self-pity is a, is a horrible, grumbling sin that causes a lot of trouble in our lives. You don't think it won't bring trouble into your house? Well, you just get in this way, and you're supposed to be looking to the Lord every day, you all are going to have trouble. You young couples, you will have trouble in your life. And everything's not going to go your way. Because God don't want it to. Even if it seems bad to you, the, the, the sin of self-pity, believe me, believe this preacher, is a self-destructive, self-destructive thing. Remember, point two, self-pity imagines many wrong things. Uh, again, that song I told you about at the beginning of the message. Whenever you get to feeling so low that you don't think nobody loves you, 
and you're a child of God, boy, you really missed the point somewhere. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, stranger. Amen? Something you, you need to think about too that's closely related to our second point is, is the issue is that self-pity also imagines friends where there are none. Sometimes I've seen in my life, and believe me, I've seen it all in my big old family, that my, a lot of my family members would run around with the awful scoundrels you ever seen. Well, actually my son, I told him he had a, a little old gal he thought was the greatest thing ever, and I said, listen boy, I said, you better leave that gal alone. Oh, daddy, she's okay. Well, it didn't turn out she was okay. And then he run with some boys that he shouldn't have run with, and, uh, I think me and Neil were talking about something like this the other day, uh, thinking that they were his friends, but they were, they were really draining him dry. He was, a, my son was a big shot. He was a big old boy, and uh, yeah, I'll take care of that, like he had lots of money. He didn't. But sometimes we don't have friends where we think we got friends. I'm going to tell you the greatest friend we got is a Savior. And the greatest friend that we have as a church is one another because Christ, remember, is in you. See, I could preach it every time I said, get up here, that Christ is in you. You know why? Because you'll be like Jonah. Everything was good when Jonah got out of that fish's belly, but when he went there and still didn't get his way, he went right back into sin. That's just like we do. That's why we need this message tonight. That's why we need to understand that when we get that way, we're not looking toward God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and believe me, all of us, all of us get that way. Now listen to this. In 1 Samuel 23, 7, Saul thought he had David. David had twice that he could have killed Saul, okay? Now Saul was a, a, a lunatic in that regards, because he he thought David was going to kill him and take his throne. Okay? And in verse 23-7, I was going to read more, but I don't really have time. But that's okay. I'll say what I need to say and read what I need to read. And it was told Saul that David was come to Keliah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into my hands, for he is shut up, because this city was apparently barricaded real well and there was no outlet, apparently. And, and, and listen to what he says now. God hath delivered him unto my hands. You remember, God wasn't Saul's friend. He really wasn't. Unto him under my hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. I've got David. I've got him where I want him. David could have killed him in a cave. Could have cut his throat right there. David wasn't after Saul. David wouldn't lay a hand on Saul because he had been anointed by Eli, if you remember. I'm pretty sure it was Eli. The reflecting Scriptures may not... I hope this makes some sense to you. In, in Proverbs thirty thirty two, on this second point... Um, it says, if thou hast foolishly in lifting up thyself, you see, that's, people want to be seen and heard, right? 
They want, to, they want to be the prettiest. They want to be the greatest. They want to be the strongest. They want to look good and all that kind of stuff. And that's okay to be nice and clean before a holy God, okay? And it's okay to have things as long as the things don't have you. Amen? Or, Psalms thirty thirty two, If thou hast thought evil, lay thy hand upon thy mouth. Just keep it to yourself. Well, I'm going to tell them what I think. You ever met somebody like that? Oh, I had a whole family of it. Woo-wee. And most of the time, and I'm not picking, okay? Sometimes you have a man to be real bad about it, but women are really bad about that sometimes. Well, they ain't telling me what I can't say. I'm not picking on you ladies. I promise I'm not. And then... Solomon goes on to say in Proverbs 30:33, Surely the churning of milk bringeth forth butter. That's a good thing. But the wringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. That hurts when you just drive and push and cause trouble in your life like old Saul did. So the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife. I'll get him. You watch me. I had a, we had a guy at work. Every time he thought the company took advantage of him, he said, I'll get him. You just watch me. I'll get him. I don't know what he did. He probably took several sick days he shouldn't have took. He wasn't sick. That's just the way people work. And here, number three is, is really something we need to pay close attention to. Self-pity picks a fight with God which you can't win. It really does. You get so far into your depression. Oh, preacher, we don't get depressed. Oh, yes, you do. Don't you lie to your God. He knows your heart. He knows every cell of you. Trillions of them we have, each one of us. And He he created every last one of them. Y'all remember old Elijah, First Kings... First Kings chapter 19 and verses 4 and 10. Oh, Elijah was fixing to be killed by Jezebel and Ahab. Y'all remember? Jezebel done killed all the prophets of God and Elijah, listen to what it says here. First Kings 19.4 But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down underneath a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. See, you're going against God. Because if you ain't dead, you ain't supposed to be dead. <laughs> if that makes any sense. But that's, that's what he requested. He said, let me die, God, because they're after me and they're going to kill me anyway. And then he said, it is enough now, O Lord. He said, take my life. Have you ever felt like that? Don't raise your hand. I will. You don't think life don't get hard on a preacher over there sick? Thoughts and feelings run through that old flesh just like yours. Amen. Say, Lord, I can't, I can't take it no more. I could see, oh Elijah, I'm tired of running. This old, old, old harlot Jezebel 
And Ahab, they want to kill me and slaughter me. They're going to get me anyway because they done killed all the other prophets. Well, he, he forgot who was in charge, didn't he? See, that, that's helped me more than anything. Little messages like this. It may not be little to y'all, but I can make it a lot longer. I could have really impressed upon me. Uh, the book writer, if y'all remember that message I preached last time I got to preach before, that really helped me to get back up where I need to. God, you're writing my book. Elijah forgot, didn't he? He done got weak. Listen, he done got hot and sweaty and nasty and hungry. No water. Listen to what it says. And then he requested for himself that he might die and said, 1 Kings 19.4, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. Elijah said, Look, God, what I have done for you and your people. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord. This is what he's saying next in this next verse. He's saying, look what I've done, Lord. Won't you do what I ask and take my life? I don't want to die by the hand of Jezebel. Verse 10, 119, uh, 1 Kings 19.10. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of your host. He's telling God how good he's been to God. For the, the, the children of Israel have I forsaken thy covenant... Thrown down thy altars, I have, I have destroyed false teaching and slain thy prophets with the sword. And he said, and I even I only am left. I'm the last one. Elijah knew that. And they seek my life to take it away. Boy, he forgot the sovereign holy God that he served. Hard times are coming for all of us. Things we have to endure and take. Y'all remember, I was a mama's boy. Boy, did I love my mama more than life almost. Even I am left and they seek my life to take it away. Anytime you find yourself informing God how things really are, you really don't know who God is. Amen. Really? You think you can tell God what you're going through? He already knows it! Well, i got this bad disease, and i got cancer, and I've got clogged arteries, and I've got... He already knows it! But Lord, I pray for grace that You might help me through those things. That's all I'm asking for, Lord. Paul said, Thy grace is sufficient. And it is. Ahab or Elijah was having a hard time here with it. You mean, Elijah, it's all about what you've been doing for him. And uh, where do you go from here? Beware when you start blaming God or trying to tell God how good you are. 
you're deeply in the destructive force of self-pityism, if there's such a word. (laughs) I made that up myself. You know, we're not talking about good, genuine prayers of God's people. We're talking about foolish talking, ignorant talking, when we pray to God. I heard somebody pray for the babies and the mamas. You talk about fragile. My granddaughter's mother just took a life of a child. Wasn't stop. Wasn't no way to stop her. But God's in charge of that life. People were talking about it. I said, "Listen, you need to be quiet." Of course, she wouldn't listen to nobody and did what she did, and God will take care of that too. But it's called murder, first degree. Boasting of thyself and thinking you're so good, you're going to fail. And you're going to be in that pity realm before you know it. Elijah needed to rest and to eat, and God provided those things for him. He said, Elijah, you lay down here and you get your strength back. and get you. I'm going to feed you and I'm going to water you. And you calm down. And guess what Elijah did? He did what God told him to do. He said, now Elijah, you get up and do what I've called you to do. The solution or the reflecting scriptures to this problem, it says in 1 Kings 19.5, And as he, laid, as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him. Y'all ever been touched by an angel? You think I'm, I'm, I'm not being Pentecostal, I'm not being silly, but I'm telling you, God will send you help. If you're his child. Behold, then an angel, 1 Kings 19.5, touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. This house is open for a feast Sundays and Wednesdays. I can't help but throw it in here. We come here for a feast for the soul. To keep us from getting in this bad backward way of self-pity and self-destructive and grumbling and whining and complaining about things. Most of the time, things that we worry or things that we get so down about are things that we can't change for nothing. And he looked and behold, and there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and lay him down again. He rested and the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Better eat. You better rest. You better get up and go do what I tell you to do. And he arose and did eat and drink and went and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Then God said to O Elijah in First Kings nineteen fifteen, and the Lord said to him, Go. 
Y'all ever be at home and you don't want to come to church because you're down and out about something? That's self-pity. This is the first place you ought to think about coming. When things ain't going right. This is the first place we come for a soothing, for a soothing of the soul. Self-pity fails to trust in the goodness of God in the midst of affliction. That's pretty much what I said, but that's the fourth point. Listen to this. Self-pity fails to trust in the goodness of God in the midst of affliction. Ain't nobody can fix my problems. Who'd you trust in? Well, I'm going to die. Yes, we all are. I think about the Scripture where it talks about the grave hath no sting. And I wonder about death if we make excuses for it too much. I've come to figure out in my own life and about breathing. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I know how Paul feels. I couldn't move from here to that step. I was ready to faint and fall into the floor. And I thought, man, I can't see Jesus unless I die from this flesh. Jacob thought he had lost his two sons there in Genesis 42-36. He was distraught and he was self-pitying himself. He was saddened and depressed because he didn't trust in God. And all the time they were in their brother's hands. Isn't that something? They were in the, if you will, as a type, the the Savior's hand. Joseph! Took care of his family. And Jacob their father said unto them, me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. See, he thought Joseph was long gone. Even at that point, he didn't know he was down there in Egypt living like a king and God had took care of him. Jacob wasn't trusting in the God he said he believed in. Simeon is not. And you will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Isn't that the way we feel sometimes? Self-pity fails to trust in the goodness of God in the midst of afflictions. Poor old Job had some problems. He said, my days are swifter than the weaver's shuttle, and they are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is wind. Mine eyes shall no more see good. That is so, that's the way we get when we get so caught up in the flesh. And are not the spiritual people of God. Listen, listen to what Jesus said, the reflecting scripture. Matthew 22, 36 says, Master, which is the greatest great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, 
Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is, is like unto, unto it. You know, you think about this. This is what we have to do. This is all we have to do. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I don't, I, I, I can't say that I want to go have a cookout with my neighbor, but I pray for him every day. And maybe I ought to go have a cookout with him if he invited me, but I don't think he's going to invite me. But anyway, I'm still going to pray for him and love him and tell him I'm praying for him. All the way around me. I am up on the hill and I see more more people than y'all can imagine. I can see 25, 30 miles away up on my hill on a good clear day. And I pray for all them people if they're my neighbors. I pray God will bless them and watch over their properties and keep their homes together. But I pray for their souls that God will save them if it's His purpose and His will. We're going to stop there. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for your attention. It's been a blessing to be in the Lord's house tonight. Do you all sing a song? Just close in prayer. Uh, I'll just pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you at the end.